Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child of Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Well, good morning. The enemy really didn't want us to worship this morning, but we always prove him wrong, right? Amen. Um, So uh, this second week of Advent, as you probably have seen, both through our singing and the reading and and the candle is hope, Um, but especially hope in the struggle, hope in the hard times that who Jesus is. And we're going to look at a story that Caitlin just read so wonderfully of, of Simeon. Um, and you know, the word hope is never actually mentioned in that story. It's in other uh, Christmas accounts. But I believe it's stamped all over Simeon's life because he lived with that hope. He lived vertically, right? That, that waiting for the Messiah to come. Same way we do, except this side of the cross, waiting for him to come again. And to stop all this madness. So in the meantime, we hope. And, and, and hope in the, the, the struggle, it reminds me, have you ever, um, maybe you don't remember yourself, but have you ever uh, brought a kid to swimming lessons? It's always fun. Um, and I can remember both of my kids, they were in different classes because Nathan's older than Grace, but in the older class, like, the instructors are outside of the pool, right? And they, they're just kind of giving them instructions, and they're swimming, and they're doing all this stuff. But then comes the beginner's class. And uh, my Grace was a really little girl, and, and she was got in the pool, and I remember looking, oh, it's so cute, and they would grab the sides, and they're kicking their feet, and then the instructor goes to take them one by one, right? And, and I don't know if all of them, but I know Grace was a little like, I don't think suddenly she got a lot of strength in those tiny little hands and arms because she was like, uh-uh, no, right? And, and, and she did good, and she ended up becoming a good swimmer. But I, I, I always have that image in my mind of how we anchor our lives in hope that despite all of the stuff that might swirl around us, we just hold on. We hold on to the hope that we know in Christ, that him coming is hope. And that's all over the life of Simeon that I want us to look at together today. Let's pray. Lord, again, thank you for celebrating the Lord's Supper with your, your people. And Lord, I, I, I thank you for, again, our worship team who had those difficulties, but just so you've given them so much talent and ability to be able to, to, to help us and lead us to worship through it. 
And Father, I thank you that you have brought us here for such a time as this to gather and sing and pray and worship because Jesus, you are our hope. And Lord, I ask you that nobody would leave here without a tremendous and beautiful sense of that hope this morning. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so uh, we're, uh, we're just going to kind of go through what Caitlin already read for us. And if you're going to follow along in your Bibles, it's Luke chapter 2 starting. And I'm actually going to back up a little bit before what we had uh, read into verse 21. Um, and, and by the way, you can use Pew Bibles if you want to follow along. But I just do also want to remind you, if you don't own a Bible, uh, take one of those Pew Bibles. Take it home. Or if you know someone who needs a Bible, uh, bring it. Give it to them. Uh, we will... Uh, um, uh, we'll, we'll replace it. We, let, we want everyone to have, have God's word. As you saw in the announcement video, we have an Advent devotional, um, both online and right out. Uh, you can hop in if you haven't done that yet. That's right out in the welcome desk as well. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 Simeon, um, you know, I, I love this story. If, if you if have any kind of church background, it's a familiar story, right? It's kind of the exact opposite of what we just got through with, with Leviticus, right? Leviticus I love because some people are like, man, I've never like really studied Leviticus. And I think that's so important to connect that. But I think it's also really important to have the familiar um, and, and, and really uh, be able to sit and, and, and see the beauty of the familiar, if it's not a familiar story to you, that's awesome because it will become as you grow in, in Christ. Simeon, um, we don't actually know much about him except he lived in Jerusalem and he's here, right? In, in Luke 2, he's, he's, he comes on the scene. Now, most, and I would include myself amongst this, make a pretty educated guess that he was an old, old much older guy based on him saying, hey, I'm ready, right? I've seen the Messiah, I'm ready. Now, doesn't actually say that. He could be 25 and just really, really devout. Um, but I'm going to look at him as an older man who'd been through life um, and, and really uh, been through life with that, that hope. And so he comes on the scene, but first we, we pick up the story with Mary and Joseph and their new baby. And this comes right on, you know, the familiar story of shepherds and, and angels and the baby is born. And you remember the angel told Mary to call him Jesus, right? And, and so in verse 21 it says, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The same name by the, uh, given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Right, so typically, you'd, uh, uh, a devout Jewish family, you'd circumcise uh, your son uh, eight days after he was born, and that's when you would name him. And typically, you'd give him a family name, something that was familiar. But of course, they had a name given by, uh, that, that God told them to, to name him. So the name is really, really important. Jesus, which just simply means the Lord saves. Right? This is the Lord who saves. Okay, And so uh, then it, uh, Luke goes on to tell us this. And when the time for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, they uh, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, that might seem really strange to us if we didn't just get through Leviticus, right? 
See how it connects? And if you remember um, the, the, that weird week where we had to talk about being in, uh, unclean because of bodily fluids, right? Well, now you, you, you see they were devout uh, after the law of Moses, a long time after Leviticus, was the, the law was given to them, but they were following it. And so after childbirth, a woman, again, she's not in sin, she's unclean. And so she has to wait 33 days and then bring a sacrifice to, again, be made clean. Um, typically, that sacrifice was, if you remember, a lamb, spotless lamb. But God made provisions for the poor, for those who couldn't afford to bring a lamb. And so you could bring two turtle doves or uh, pigeons. And so without saying anything, Luke tells us something here, doesn't he? That this family doesn't have a lot. You would expect the Lord saves, right? The hope of the world to be born in a palace or, right, a, a great, you know, just, just uh, uh, to a king or something, right? Just something that would be magnificent. Instead, we see a hint of who Jesus is right away, born into this nobody family, this nowhere place, right? And, and they have nothing. They have very little. To, to already give us a hint that Jesus came for the lowly. He came to be lowly for the lowly. And, um, and you just you see that, that stage set right away. The hope of the world come to the darkest, most broken, poorest places. And so Luke tells us that's here where uh, Simeon's going to meet him. So it the, says, as they, you know, they're bringing him to the temple to, 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 um, uh, to, pure, to bring the sacrifice for Mary and also to redeem Jesus. Remember, the firstborn son of everyone in Israel belongs to God, so they had to, usually it would be five shekels, and they would, um, then, you know, you didn't bring your, your firstborn son, leave him there and say, hey, good luck, you're God's, right? Uh, you're, you're God's now. Uh, instead, you would bring him, you would redeem him, and you would still raise your son, but he belonged to God, you dedicated him to God. And so, especially important that Jesus, God's son, dedicated to God. And so uh, uh, he, he, that, that's the scene, and that's where Simeon, it says there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. You'll see that throughout this next few verses. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. This was a man marked by the Holy Spirit and, and, and led by the, the Spirit. He um, was somebody who, who just lived a life vertically, right? And that we can, we can just really learn from that as Christians, right? Instead of looking uh, horizontally all the time, well, why is this happening? Well, it's you know, complaining. Instead, those things still hurt. Those still, things still cause confusion and grief, but he lived vertically. He said, he said come. When are you coming? And, and, and the Spirit is, is, is on him, and he's just waiting for the hope. They were waiting for the Messiah. They lived in a dark time. Rome, it was cruel, it was oppressive, it was hard. But instead of just looking down, he looked up. And he said, because of that hope, you saw in his life uh, that he was righteous, which just means to be upright towards others. He took the law seriously. Love your neighbor as yourself. He did that. Right, as best as ability, he was a man known to be upright towards others, um, honest and with integrity. He's also a man called devout, so he followed the law. He went to worship. He, he did everything that, that, that was, it was said to do to, to worship God and to live for God. And because of that, the Spirit leads him. It was that hope that drove his life, you see? That same hope can drive your life, despite what might be swirling around you and going on in, in, in your life. And so um, 
that this tells us a little bit more about him. It says, and it had been revealed to him by the, there it is again, Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Lord's anointed Messiah, depending how you translate that. The, the one they were waiting for. Did Simeon completely understand uh, all that we now know about Jesus? No, probably not. All he knew was he was the hope that God had promised. And God had revealed to him, hey, you're not going to die until you see him. So he's like, oh, man, that's amazing. Imagine if you knew for sure, and you don't, but imagine if you knew for sure you weren't going to die until the Lord Jesus came again. How would that change things, right? Like every day you'd be like, all right, it could be the day. You might prepare a little bit more for Jesus instead of saying, oh, he's not coming today. Right? But Simeon knew, so it, that hope, again, it, it drove his, his, his life. All right? So again, for the third time, it says, and he came in the spirit in the temple. Man, just like um, us today as, as believers, if that's you, that, that like, don't think when you wake up, you read your Bibles day after day, you pray, you come to worship, you gather with God's people, you, right? you, you seek after him. Don't think there's no effect. There is. The Holy Spirit grows you more and more and more right? and will lead you and open doors. You're like, wow. And a lot of you could give testimony of that already. That living with that hope by the Spirit, it gives us such great direction when we need it. And so here's Simeon, he's, he's, he's led by the Spirit to go into the, 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 the temple, right? And it says, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. I mean, first of all, imagine, now some people think Simeon might have been a priest or belonged there. We're not told that, so maybe. I like to think he's just like living in Jerusalem, he comes into the temple and he kind of look and, and God shows him, that's him. Right? That's the one you've been waiting for. Right? So you see, Mary and Joseph, remember, we've already got a divine birth. We've got angels. We've got, uh, we, we got shepherds coming. We've got all this stuff happening. Right? And, and they're not even in their hometown. And now they go what they're supposed to do. They're, they're just in awe. They're exhausted. Right? And, and, and here comes this old dude who says, hey, great, takes their baby and goes, woo, praise God. Now you and I think, wow, that's great. They're, they might be going, what's wrong with this old quack? Like, what are we doing here, right? And, and yet, they, they just watch in amazement as he blesses God because of this, this child. His first instinct that the hope has come is to worship, to, to praise God, right? And so he, he blesses God, and then he, we have what's called Simeon's Song. And, and it could have been a poem, but I like to think that he begins to sing this. You can see how it's written in more poetic uh, style. And he says this, as he's blessing God, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Jesus, the Lord, saves. I've seen the salvation. It's in my hands, right? He continues, verse 31. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Like to you and I, that sounds, you know, normal. But, but for a Jewish, like, what do you mean all peoples, right? Like he's ours. We're the chosen people. He was promised to us. God revealed, you know, you, you Gentiles, sorry, yes, he's God and he created you, but you aren't special. You aren't to be saved, right? But here's Simeon, a devout Jew, saying, no, 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 he's for all peoples. Right? Unless you think I'm making that up, he continues, he's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Like that's, again, to you and I, that's no big deal. To them, that's like, what? 
What do you mean the Gentiles? Like they're Gentiles. They don't get this light. They don't get this hope. But Simeon's like, yes, they do. And he says, and, gl- and for glory to your people Israel. And so he's a light of revelation and glory to all of them. But he's making a distinction. So Israel already had revelation. They already knew this Messiah was going to come. They already knew God was going to save them, just waiting for it, right? So for, for him, they said, for, for them, he says, you're for, it's for the glory. And that word glory is so important in the Old Testament. It's it's usually used any time that that God revealed himself. You remember Leviticus, the the foot of Mount Sinai, when there was was fire and revelation of God, like the glory of God manifested in his presence. And so here is the glory of God in a baby. The Lord saves the glorious manifestation of God's presence, but also a light to the Gentiles, right? And you will see that play out in Jesus' life. Right, whether it's the hated Samaritans who were sort of half Gentile, half Jewish, but Jews didn't consider them Jewish at all. And, and you, you see how Jesus went to them. You remember the broken, lonely woman at the well who Jesus sat and said, come and drink from me. You remember how he went to the Gentiles and then eventually Paul and eventually right, people who had no business knowing God now can. And I don't know, there, there might be a few of you here who are, are descendants of Abraham. You have Jewish history. Praise God, it's for the glory of God. But most of us, if not all of us, are Gentiles. That's why this is your hope. Listen, you would be on the outside. Like, I don't know what your testimony is. Some of you have that really awesome, boring testimony where your mother gave birth to you in the church nursery and you began to serve, right? All right, that's good. We want our kids all to have that boring testimony. We're like, I don't remember a time I didn't know Jesus. But some of you come from dark, dark paths, don't you? Places that you would never want to stand up here and admit. But here you are right now, saved by the glory of God, the light of revelation, that this hope is for you. And that's what Simeon is saying. This hope is for anyone who will come to him. And so he... he um, it, all, all of this amazing joy that it, that it then says, um, and his father and mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about him. Right? They're just like, this is crazy. Our, you and I think of Mary and Joseph as superstars. That's not how they thought of themselves, right? A very poor, uh, they're, they're a devout Jewish family, but like, this is, this is too much. But God loves to use those who are humble. He loves to. And so they're, they're marveling, and then Simeon blessed them. Right? He blesses God, gives back their child, and he says a blessing over them. And, 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 and so, so far, everything in this story is about joy and hope and revelation, and it's awesome, and it's Christmas, and it's amazing, right? But now, now you're going to start to see just a hint of the struggle and the suffering that it's going to take for this hope to truly be. As he turns to the parents, especially to Mary, right? He's he blessed them, and he said to Mary, Jesus' mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You see, we, we, we all, I mean, if you've, you've studied this before, you think immediately the cross. Mary was there when her, her child, now a man, on the cross. But that sword piercing her soul, it, it began long before that. She watched her perfect son. Like, I, I know some of you parents think you have perfect kids. I know. 
but I've told you a million, million times, they were vipers and diapers, and you know it, right? And, and you love them, but they, you, you ain't sitting around going, they're perfect, right? You're not doing that, and you shouldn't, because they're not. They need a savior, right? Jesus was perfect. <laughs> like, his own mother's watching, and if, if anyone can find the, the problem, moms can find the problem, right? And, and she's watching, and she's just like, he's amazing, and what an amazing kid, and, and what an amazing young man, and what an amazing man. And then she sees his public life. He does miracles. He heals. He teaches. He blesses. He's always about everyone else, always, right? And, and she's like, what an amazing, and so many people do flock to him, and that's awesome, but then she watches him get rejected. He watches so many people hate him, hate his name, hate his presence, and I mean, even today, the, no, one, the, no one brings more division in the world than the name of Jesus. Right? Just go to work uh, uh, Monday and say, hey, what do you guys think about Jesus? Right? Everyone's like, oh my gosh, you can't say that. Right? You can say anything else. You can even swear if you want nowadays, but you can't say Jesus. Why? Read your Bibles. What about Jesus would someone say? Ugh. Right? Just always for others, gives himself literally for others. Like even if you're not completely sure you believe him, it's hard to say, man, I hate that, but people do. And Simeon is telling her it's going to happen. See, because Jesus came to reveal hearts, and a lot of people do not want your heart revealed. Because when you reveal your heart, you see the need for a savior, and people don't want that. And so they reject and they push away. It can't be that. And yet, so he says that 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 his name will be the cause right, for both the falling and rising. So some will fall. They will be judged. They will reject the name of Christ and not be saved. Others will rise. Same word you see in the Bible for resurrection. Some will, and they will rise from the ashes of their sin. And Simeon, can you imagine Mary's just like, what? Right, but Simeon, before he dies, before he says goodbye to the world, he says, this boy is the hope we've been waiting for. This is the hope. And so what I, I, I um, want to be able to, to leave with you today is that he's still the hope. But he's specifically a hope in the struggle. Like I, don't, I don't know all of the struggles represented in this room, but here's what I know. There's lots of them. Because I know you're human, and I know this world is hard. Maybe you're in a really good season. Praise God for that. I love good seasons, right? But here's the problem with good seasons for me. I don't know about you, but I never seem to grow very much in Christ in good seasons. That happen to you? I always say, God, why can't I grow in good seasons? He's like, that's on you, right? So if you're in a good season, praise God, don't buy your own hype and believe that you got this, right? Stay in humility. But if you're in a struggle, whatever it is, might be a big one, might be a huge grief, it might be... Um, just a health thing or financial thing or relationship thing or just struggles with your faith, whatever it might be, he is still the hope. Even in grief, still um, the, the hope. See, Mary and Joseph, they show that he came for you if you're lowly, he came for you. Simeon, right, like I said, we think he was an old guy, all right? So here's what I want you to do. Uh, I'm not going to make this judgment, so I'm going to let you do it. Raise your hand and keep it up if you would just call yourself mm, not so young anymore. I'll say, go ahead, go ahead, all right, keep it up, all right. So, so uh, put your hand, don't put it down yet, put your hand down if you've never experienced great disappointment. Some of y'all are lying, all right. Uh, keep it up, keep it up. Put it down now if you've never experienced great loss. Okay, 
I'm gonna, I don't want you to get tired because that will ruin my illustration, so you can all put it down. Because you've lived life. I, I could have had younger people. Most of you still would have kept your hand up, right? Because, but, you know, I know for me, I probably wouldn't have kept my hand up for great loss until my mom died, right? So it just, it happens. Sometimes it happens when we're younger. But you live long enough like Simeon does. His life is full of good things and good blessings, but full of loss and disappointment and problems and struggles. I don't know them. We don't know them. But we know they existed. And yet through it all, he clung to that hope. Clung to it. Right? He, 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 when, we, when we think about grief, here's what um, the apostle Paul wrote. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep or dead, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. He didn't say you don't grieve. You do. This place hurts. This life can throw stuff at you. He said we don't grieve with no hope like others because we do have hope. Hope in the pain, hope in the struggle, hope in that heartache, whatever that might be for you. You know, um, there's a lot of you know that uh, it's not been the easiest time uh, to be a pastor for me. Um, I've had five funerals in three weeks, uh, three this past week. You know, maybe some clergy, they can just pop them out. That's just not how I operate, right? Too sensitive or something, I don't know. But it, it, it takes its toll, right? It's a beautiful ministry, but it takes its toll. Um, to our, uh, Wednesday morning, uh, we were uh, just a small family uh, around uh, in a very cold, windy cemetery. Um, when, uh, Wednesday night, that same day, uh, after calling hours at a funeral home, I was asked to go to a family I didn't know. And I didn't know the person who had passed. Sometimes they just need somebody. And it was a, a woman in her 50s who had died very suddenly. So it was a lot of sadness in that room. Um, and, and then the next morning, some of you were here. Bertie Grizzulis, 96-year-old, knew Christ for decades. But still there's grief. There's loss. And, you know, when you go into those places, those those rooms, like I especially think Wednesday night because so many there didn't know the Lord at all. It's like I can see, like some of them are incredibly distracted, like they don't, they, you can tell they don't really want me to be there, right? But usually it's, it's, it's the opposite. Like people who would never be found, some people would never be found in church, they're looking at me, I can see their eyes are just like locked onto mine. Like their lives, they're just like, they're just saying, say something to give me hope. It's, that's a lot of pressure, right? I'm thinking, you know, and it can be a little bit awkward because these people don't know me. They don't know how weird I am. You guys know me, so, right? So I'm like, how do we break the ice? And, and I'm like, Wednesday night, I literally said, because her husband had told me this, I was like, well, this is how I started. Well, if she were to wake up right now, she'd ask for a cigarette. And I'm like, everybody's laughing. And I'm like, what am I doing? This is so stupid, right? But it broke the ice. They thought that was funny. And then, you know, but it's a little bit awkward until I start talking about Jesus, and it's like my heart grows confident. You know why? Because I know the hope's not in me. It's not in my words. It's not how I say them. The hope is in him. And whatever that context, to be able to speak that hope, whether it's uh, Bertie's funeral or whether it was the cemetery or whether it was uh, that funeral home. You know, and all the while, um, uh, you know, having uh, multiple phone conversations with John Pillings, who's here with us, John, because uh, his wife, Joni, was very sick. And, of course, this past morning, a lot of you know this morning, that she's now with Jesus. By the way, John, when I studied Simeon this week, I thought of you. <laughs> That's the greatest compliment I can give anyone. 
And so I'm talking to John, and see, John could, John's been known the gospel longer than I've been alive, right? So he knows the hope of Jesus saves, and he knows, right, Joni's uh, where she is. He knows that with a certainty. But he now needs, for multiple times in his life, but now needs one of the greatest times in his life, the comfort of Jesus, right? That consolation that Simeon said, the hope that brings us such great comfort. Right? And then, so, so that, then Friday morning, I'm trying to finish this message, and I'm like, man, at least there's no, no more of this, right? And I, I find out that, hey, Jamie, can you talk to someone? I, I knew the family, but didn't know him. He, he's really, really desperate. He, he, he just came to Christ, but he's really dealing with a lot of his past. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't. But I said yes, because that's what you do. And so I, I talked with him on the phone. I'm so glad I said yes, because... He was broken in tears, and he said, I never cry. But he, has lived, he had lived a life of drugs, crime, prison, a life of, he said, I've done things to people. You know, like all of this just, just and I, I can't get it out of my head. And so I got a chance to just share the hope who is Jesus. He already knew him. I kind of, you know, I'm not God. I can't say for sure. Time will tell. But I really do believe that because of things he was saying. And I just got to, he had never heard the prodigal son. Like he never heard that story. What an awesome thing to be able to share that to someone and say, you know, this, this son who just went and squandered his life, he came home and dad didn't look at him and say, Tsh. dad ran, ran, picked him, in his, picked him up in his arms. My son is home. He said, that's what God has done for you. I got a chance to share the thief on the cross who'd never done a single thing to make up for his sin, and yet he would be with Jesus in paradise. And man, he just felt so great after that. It's not because I said anything, not because, oh, Jamie gives hope. No, I don't got no hope for him, except for Jesus. That is the hope. He is the hope in that struggle. And so whatever it is, whatever grief, whatever loss, whatever you're going through, now or in the future, I just want your hope in that struggle to cling like my daughter did to the side of the pool, the hope that Jesus is going to come again or you're going to go be with him because he died for you. And, and, and just ask you, right, that the last question I want to ask all of us today is simply this, what are you hoping in? And even Christians, because we like, oh, we're in church, we hope in Jesus. But is that true? Because we can get off the beam really quick, can't we? to hope in anything else. Like maybe you're hoping in your health, especially the younger you are. You got an eight-pack, right? You got biceps growing out of your biceps like me? No, that's not true, we know. Or you, you, know, you eat holistic, organic vegetables sprinkled you know, with essential oils every day, and, right? Praise God for health, right? Take care of your body. I'm just saying, it's gonna, it's gonna break down, amen? It's gonna break down. Most of us know that already. You're hoping in, in a, a, a husband or a wife? Listen, I don't care if your husband's, you know, go to Starbucks every morning and bring you your perfect latte the way you want it and take care of you all day long. Don't put your hope in him. He can't, he will eventually or she will eventually fail you. Money, career, hey, I don't care how great your career goes. You're going to end up like everyone else, a little office party with bad cake and walking out with a cardboard box. Right? That's what's going to happen. And you're like, wow, I just spent 50 years doing this, Right? Praise God for your career. Achieve, do well. Don't put your hope in that. Don't put your hope in money. There's nothing money can eventually buy you that's actually can put hope in. 
give you a little fun for a short time or take care of you. That's great. Don't put your hope in that. Who or what are you putting your hope in? And I want you to put your hope in his name. This story gave us a lot of different names, right? Put your hope in Jesus. The Lord saves. The Lord saves. Have you done that? Jesus is the name above all names. Every knee will, uh, every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one that makes uh, demons tremble. Satan flee. It is Jesus who your hope has to be in. That he died for you. That he rose. Your hope is in that name. Jesus, the Lord saves. We saw in the the story of of Simeon um, that the, the hope of the comfort Right, the consolation. Who are you getting your comfort in? If you need comfort this morning, it's Jesus. It's his name that will bring you comfort. Right, we, we, we saw that, that, um, that he was the light of revelation. Where's your truth? What truth are you living by? He's the revelation. He's the truth to which you come by. He's ultimately the hope. And lastly, the glory of God right? He's a manifested presence of God. So in a, in, a, in a couple of minutes when we sing again, that's what I want you to be thinking about, to the glory of God, the hope who is Christ. Let me finish with the rope of hope since we're talking about hope, All right? And I want to remind you this rope, if it represents your life, it's everlasting. It has a beginning, you were born, has no end. This green tape, this is your life here, right? This is your life. I brought this out uh, at Birdie's uh, uh, celebration of, of life. And I said, man, her, she probably took up 96 years, a lot of that green tape, right? Some of us, it might not be so much. But here's where the struggle is. Here's where you need to see this. Cling to this. Your eternal hope, who was one for you by that baby who became a perfect man and died a sinner's death in your place. He is hope. So now you're in this green tape. You keep clinging to that. You keep living after that. Let hope drive your life like Simeon did. The Spirit shows you that you're upright towards people. You encourage. You bless. You stay vertical, right? Like, I'm not going to just complain about the world. I'm going to put my hope in anything in this world. I'm staying vertical. My hope is in Christ. May the glory to God be forever. Let's pray. Father, you are to be blessed, and your name must be blessed. And we bless your name as Simeon did a long time ago. Father, you gave us your only son, the Lord Jesus, so that he might be a light not just to Israel, but to us, to all of us. Lord, if there's anyone who came into this room not knowing the name of Jesus, not believing in Jesus, that today would be their day. They'd say, Jesus, save me. That we would witness your miracle of giving them new life, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, that they would know your forgiveness, they would know your joy, they would know your hope. Lord, for the Christians in the room, may this Advent season be a time where we again look to you, we look vertically. That you would, Lord, I know there's so many struggles here. God, I pray that even in the tears of the struggle, that we would look to your hope, we would cling to you, oh God. We know that you have this. We know that hope is found in you, Jesus, and this is but temporary. This is not our home. Our home is eternal. 
And we long for that home. Lord, I pray that you will um, help us to see, even as we sing, the glory of God manifested in Jesus Christ. That we would sing with joy and with hope despite the struggle. Lord, thank you, God, for how you comfort, how you strengthen, how you give peace. Hope is in you, your name. And it's in your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing to the glory of God.